Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast. Myself and Tom Burdell here this afternoon, this evening, this morning, wherever you're listening to us. Um, let's get cracking then. Uh, Newcastle 1, Watford 1 is the way it finished. Uh, before that game, though, there was big squad news in terms of uh, the, the, the reshaping. Uh, plenty of, of players making their debut. And also there was a, a recall for one Ben Foster who's refound uh, his uh, fitness after an injury problem. Um, I suppose let's start there, Tom. That was probably a, a big call as well because Backman had been uh, the number one goalkeeper in the interim period and people were wondering whether he would keep the shirt or not. But um, the call was Ben Foster is back in the number one shirt. Yeah, I wasn't hugely surprised. What, what did you think? I, I, I was expecting Ben yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it might be Ben because it seems as though that's who Ranieri favours. At least yeah. that's what we kind of got from the first impression, wasn't it? So yeah. I, I wouldn't have been surprised. But then Backman's performances weren't awful, were they? They were they were reasonable. No, no. They were reasonable. And, and, and that, I think, is the real thing. that they're, they're, they're almost too close in terms of ability for there to be a clear number one. And um. I think that's probably why Dan Backman feels a bit aggrieved that he's not really let anybody down. There's been one or two, mm. you know, errors, but even those aren't kind of really egregious errors. Um, but very clearly Ben Foster is not going to be here much longer. And if you're ever going to kind of make that switch now, you know, might have been, you know, now is the time to do it. But with Ben Foster kind of serving as a very able deputy number two, pushing the whole way. But I do just think, and I think it does boil down to this, it's that experience that Ben Foster's got and that kind of calm and aura and mm. organisation and, and, and also, you know, de- command of the area, dealing with crosses. You know, that count, you're a goalkeeper when you play, you know what it's like. That counts for so much, doesn't it? Being able to, in terms of the confidence you instill in those in front of you. And I think particularly against Newcastle, and I don't think it was a one-off that Ben Foster came in. I think he is Claudio Ranieri's number one. But I think particularly against Newcastle, when you, you knew full well that Kieran Trippier was going to be slinging crosses in, as he yeah. does, which he's very good at for a big man in Chris Woods, who's very good in the air. Um, you wanted a keeper that's going to come and claim th- things and clean people out and what have you. Um, and, and Ben Foster, you know, is that player. So... Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't disappointed. The only thing I would say is that I think Daniel Backman is a decent keeper and will be a good goalkeeper. But, you know, evidently this is going to 
this is a very clear snub now. This is very clearly, you know, they're both fit. He is very clearly there for Claudio's number two. Claudio Ranieri's number two. And I suspect, given the noises he's made, as we all know, while he's been on international duty, um, this will have put his nose out of joint and he will be thinking, right, well, I haven't got much of a future here. Particularly, as we know, Maduka Okoye is coming in the summer as well. So, Indeed. Indeed. yeah. Newcastle, by the way, put in 21 crosses against us. Wow. Uh, only six of those were completed. Um, but I think that, you know, that alone says kind of what we were, you know, expecting and, and, mm-hmm. and what they did on the day. So Ben Foster was the right call. Yeah. I mean, when pushed about it, um, Ranieri said, uh, I, I have two good keepers. It's good I have two good keepers. But Ben is a little more of an advantage over the other. So, yeah. you know, he's even come out and, and said it. What what those advantages are, you know, like, you know, he personally knows, obviously. But like you mentioned there, Tom, I don't know why, but I feel a little bit more confident when he's in the in the sticks. And I don't know why that is, because they are quite similar in terms of ability, aren't they? But maybe yeah. it, it must be down to that experience factor that I just feel more comfortable with, with Foster there. But yeah, definitely. That's, um, um, and that's not to say that, as I say, it is close. Daniel Batman, I think we'd all recognise his distribution is far better. You know, mm. with the ball at his feet, he is far more comfortable. He's not a bad shot stopper at all. They both are. And I think, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was on another, if it was on From Grin or another Botford podcast, whether someone wrote it or said it, but they're right. At this level, they're all good shot stoppers. You expect them to be able to keep the ball out of the net nine times out of ten. You get the ones, obviously, your, your Allisons and your Edisons and whatnot who've got that extra maybe 5 or 10% in that regard. It's the other things, it's the, the almost intangibles. And I think that's what Ben Foster's got over Daniel Backman at this stage. I hope it doesn't mean that we kind of end up losing Backman. But in a relegation battle where every kind of little advantage, little margin counts, Ben Foster's the right call for me or, and will be going forward. Yeah, for the current moment in time, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, in terms of other big uh, changes to the starting lineup. Um Ranieri decided to go with all three of the new transfers. That was probably a little mm. bit risky on his part, Tom, because, you know, he, yeah. he hadn't really seen them playing in the Premier League before because, of course, they were all making their Premier League debuts. Yeah, definitely. I was I was really, really surprised, pleasantly surprised, I must admit, because, um, you know, the run we've been on and the position we're in and the importance of that, the significance of that game, um, it, it sent a statement, I think. But... I fully obviously expected uh, Hassan Kamara to come in, given the, the left-back situation. I thought Samir would probably come in because none of the centre-halves have really uh, covered themselves in glory this season. And then uh, Ido Kayembe was the one I thought might just start on the bench. But I think it sent a message that, you know, these guys are here. They are an improvement. They are here to improve this team. They are here to be starters. They are here to get us out of trouble. And and it worked, didn't it? They were all excellent in their own in their own right, and we're, I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit more detail on each of them individually. But you know, I don't think any of them really put a foot wrong as as debuts go. It was really really encouraging, and you know, when you consider that we've had such a chopping and changing back five when you include the goalkeeper this season to bring you know to bring Foster back in, obviously Ngakia came in at right back. He hasn't played much this season, and you've got a brand new centre half and a brand new. Uh, left back you know it's going to take time for these things to all kind of meld together but um, the signs immediately are are pretty encouraging I would say indeed Um, 
The first half, though, uh, despite all of those positives we were just talking about, wasn't that pretty from a Watford point of view. Um, no. <laughs> we struggled a bit, and and the you know the the percentage of possession that Newcastle had dwarfed that of Watford. Yeah, uh, the first half they absolutely bossed, basically. I think didn't they? In so far as it was two, but a game between two pretty poor teams, pretty bad teams, even. Um, you know, they certainly had more of the ball. I can't remember the exact percentages, but it was in the 60s, I think, wasn't it? Mm. Um, you know, had a lot of opportunities. Didn't hit the target, obviously. <laughs> Chris Woods flicks at least one header over and they were putting a lot of crosses into the box as we kind of anticipated down that right-hand side. The combination of Ryan Fraser yeah. and Kieran Trippier was... It was a was clear quite... plan, wasn't there? From That's the it, yeah. You, you, that's it. You don't have to be a Jordan level of analyst to understand what they were trying to do. You know, they were really funneling. And why not? You know, we were coming up, they were coming up against a, a left back that was not only brand new to the Premier League and to Watford, but had, you know, not played a whole lot of football recently for one reason or another before leaving France. So, you know, and, and, you know, naturally, even by his own admission, likes to get forward and likes to attack. So there's potentially going to be space in behind. Um, but, you know, all things considered, we actually, we actually dealt with the threat quite well and, and kind of nullified maybe on the word but you know kept them at arm's length I felt like despite not really ever getting much of a foothold in the game in the first half um, probably for the best that they didn't score because I suspected they scored in the first half you know the two new boys playing um, in such a big game they would have perhaps really got going and, and, and grown in confidence from that point and it might have been a long way back but uh, yeah we kind of rode, the, rode it out didn't we I think is the best way the most succinct way of describing it yeah yeah we, we did and um, you know at half time Ranieri was visibly annoyed wasn't he and he yeah. had right to be as well yeah that's it and, and do you know what he always he doesn't pull any punches I don't think in the media there's a couple, been a couple of times where he said some some slightly strange things but or things that I don't necessarily agree with but he does broadly say say what you see as a, as a supporter of the team as a, of the club and you know he even his post-match kind of comments he said we only really played the way I want to see us play in the last half an hour and I think you know that's fair when they were chasing the game and Newcastle kind of retreated into their shell but yeah, he, he will be as frustrated as anyone with the level of performances because he evidently believes there's enough to stay up and, and do a good job. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be, you know, his age and with his experience and CV, you wouldn't be here kind of risking your reputation, as it were, or putting your reputation on the line to, yeah. for a team that you, you don't think is going to match what, what they should. So, yeah, he would have been disappointed because we've played better against better teams, ultimately. Um, and I do think there's an element of almost being... The way we're set up to play, or the way we've pl- when we've played our best, the Chelsea first half, the Man United game, and others, it's been it has typically been against the bigger teams when we've, you know, we've we've kind of pressed and and done and, and done all that side of the game very well, um, but with without the expectation of dominating the ball. I think as soon as we're expecting to have more of the ball, or there's a game where we are naturally going to get more of the ball we do struggle to break teams down um a little bit so you know we want we almost want to be the underdog is how i feel about us at times so i wasn't entirely surprised that it was a bit of a you know tough first half 
At half time, though, obviously Ranieri got into them. Um, must have said something akin to, you know, pull your socks up, lads. And uh, it was a much improved second half, much improved, um, you know, that sort of gave birth to several chances. Yeah. No, it, it was a lot better. I'd, I'd love to know. This is when it'd be interesting for mm. football managers to give a proper answer, wouldn't it? When you kind of get the the sort of question of, oh, what did you say at half-time? It was much better. But it was. And I think I, it probably, and Eddie Howe's admitted this, it owed a lot to the fact that Newcastle, I think he's saying they kind of retreated into protect mode and, yes, and tried did, to yeah. see out the win. And, you know, that's only natural in a game that's so important for a struggling team, for a team that's won once all season for a team, as they said on match a day, that's thrown away more leads, more half-time leads, was it, than than anyone else, or more leads than anyone else in the Premier League? Yeah, I think the figure was nine. Nine Nine, times that they've been in front and they've... um, Was it lost the game or or, or drew? I'm not sure it could be. I can't remember. remember. (laughs) Neither's that great, really, though, is it? But that's it, yeah, exactly. If you think, you know, if, if they'd only converted half of those, they'd be in a far better position, so... Um, yeah, no second half a lot better, a lot brighter, a lot bolder, and you just and that's the frustration when we play well and get going, and and it, you know not that we blew them away or anything like that, but when we do get going, you just think why can't you sustain that for ninety minutes, you know? So that is hopefully the lays the foundations now for a big for a big week ahead against two more struggling sides or potentially one, as I'm sure we'll touch on later. Mm. Interesting, though, despite the fact that the second half was the brighter for Watford, uh, they conceded early in the second half. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you can't really say it was it was down to anything other than a, a mistake from, from Ngakia's part. Uh, obviously, there was a, a bit of quality there from, from St. Maximum once he, he got that ball. And, and, you know, you have to only applaud the way that he managed to cut in and avoid everybody, although... I mean, I think questions could be asked as why that wasn't defended better. But the first mm. point of call was the fact that Ngaki, you know, made yeah. a, you know, a huge error there. Yeah, I've, I've been a big fan of Jeremy Ngaki. And uh, I'm sure I've told you boys in the past that in my Watford supporting group of mates, the, the WhatsApp group we have, most of them are absolutely opposed to Ngaki. I think he's terrible. Really? I think he's bound for... Yeah, yeah, I think he's bound okay. for... I think he's become one of those things where it's... it's they're the same with Etienne Capoue, so... I mean, arguably that says a lot about their level of football uh, intelligence, but they kind of, um, assuming I'm right, of course. Um, but uh, I think it's you know become a bit of a, a game now that they kind of do him down further than they might. But I think the thing about that was, um, you know, it's the defensive side that he's usually very good at, and you could see the logic in, even if you overlooked Kiko's injuries and, and fitness situation, mm. you could see the logic in playing Gakia, knowing he's going to come up against... Alison Maximan, who's obviously excellent in those 1v1 situations, committing defenders, running at defenders. And up until that point, he'd had a very, very good game in Gakia. He had, yeah. The stupid thing was, it's, if you watch it back from kind of, not quite the start of the move, but virtually, it's a bit of a kind of hit and hope from John Joe Shelby down the line, trying to get it into sort of, you know, a bit of a kind of pomo um, for for, for uh, Alison Maximan under pressure from... Tom Cleverley, I think it was. So he just, you know, just sort of hooked it into that area. And Gekia, he's got yards on some yeah. All he needs to do it's is smash it, smash it out. If in doubt, smash it out. And it's dealt with. Um, after that, it's obviously an excellent goal. And he's capable of doing that. But there's a reason he's at Newcastle. It's because he doesn't do it often enough. Um, so, yeah, very frustrating. After that moment, though, he, he 
you know, sort of managed to refine himself. And, and I don't think that he, he, you know, really put a foot wrong after that personally. But what, what was your opinion, Tom? No, absolutely not. He, as I say, he's very good at that defensive side of the game. He's almost liking him to a bit of an Aaron Wambasaka light, you know, in that you know full well what you're going to get. He's very good defensively. I think he's probably a bit better than Wambasaka going forward, if I'm being brutally honest. But, you know, you, 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 you expect him to be very solid out of possession, hold his position, get be tough to get past and he was and you know, he it's such a shame because otherwise you'd said that oh, it's a great performance from him to keep some maximum quiet for however long it was. Um but it's it's horses it's 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 a good option to have. It's horses for courses I think we've said before that you've got Kiko who shows, you know, his strength and his his real knack for getting forward and putting great balls into the box to create the equaliser for Joel Pedro. And you've got Ngakia, who you know prior to that point had been had been pretty pretty damn solid. So, um, mm. having said all that, I obviously said last week I wouldn't mind signing a right back, and that was the area I targeted in my recruitment search. So you know, call me a hypocrite. But... Well, I think that's because ideally you'd love a mixture of of a Kiko and an Ngakia all wrapped into one. Wouldn't you? Well, that's it exactly, and that, and that player probably costs fifty million pounds plus, unfortunately. So mm. uh, yeah, one day maybe. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just Watford that had uh, a mistake in them, um, albeit maybe just one. Um, Newcastle had a few, particularly the likes of Lascelles and and, and Shaw were were giving the ball away and giving Watford opportunities to uh, to counter and to you know get themselves, you know, in the end more chances on goal than, than Newcastle ended up having. Uh, the first one fell to Joshua King. Um, what, what was your opinion of that one, Tom? If you know the one I'm talking about here, it's where he. Um, sort of played through and he maybe could have done a little bit better although to be fair Dubravka came out very quickly and was able to close it down yeah lovely ball through uh Edo Kayembe one of the two chances he created lovely little kind of you know slide rule pass with the left foot to get him through it's the sort of um it's the sort of opportunity I suspect we'd quite like he would have quite liked it Joshua King to take it a little bit more or have it a little bit more centrally because the angle is that really helps Dubravka, doesn't it? Who comes out and makes a very good save actually to smother kind of on the the apex of the uh, of the six yard box. But it's it's a really nice ball, really really presentable opportunity, and it's one of those where uh, on another day or if we were in a bit better nick, perhaps he would have scored it, put it away, and then you get the equaliser mm. quite quickly or quite soon after. And it's a different game. Um, potentially we go on and win it but yeah that, I really like Joshua King as well you know it maybe hasn't got the goals he deserves this season his performances but I think he's a proper centre forward isn't he he's, you know he can play on the last shoulder he can hold the ball up bring others into play quite happy going wide leading the line playing in a one playing in a two I, I really I think that's one of the better signings we made last summer yeah it was, I mean it was a, it was a good opportunity um, I think I'm maybe doing a little bit um, harshly there. It was a great save from Brother. He came out really quickly, yeah. closed down the space. Um, and in fact, that wasn't even the, the best opportunity for what was it really. Um, <laughs> I think we were the one where we're talking about here. It was um, Dennis who set it up for Musa Sissoko. And how how Sissoko managed to miss that oh, one time? I, I mean, I I'm still wondering myself now. I think I, I, think I could have put that in, and, you know. <laughs> It's become a bit of a trope, hasn't it, that Musa Sissoko can't shoot for Toffee. Uh, well, it's true, ultimately. He is uh, a fantastic player and, one, again, one of the better bits of business that we've done, uh, or that we did, I should say, sorry, last summer. In my mind, I kind of remember him being a goal-scoring midfielder at 
Newcastle. You know, doing a lot of the things he does now. Uh, you know, being very rangy, very powerful, going box to box and so on. And I think they got quite a lot of joy out of him playing him kind of right of a of a three behind the main striker. And I just pulled it up, and to be fair, he only ever got a maximum of five goals in a season at Newcastle, which oh, you know that explains a lot, doesn't for, it? For us, I mean, that would make a huge difference having a midfielder who could chip in with four or five goals. Um, but you can see why he's never really done much more than that, can't you? Because as you say, it's it's such a good ball and, and such a good position he's in. Um, you know, nobody between him and Dubravka is there, and if, if he just gets his head over it. You know, Dubravka is a good keeper. No guarantee he's going to score. But if he just gets his head over it and hammers it towards that far bottom corner, you know, it's got more than decent chance of going in. To place it over the bar uh, and, and not make Dubravka work at all is just, just absolutely criminal. But, uh, yeah, you just wish it was someone else in that position, don't you? <laughs> they popped up there to get the pass from Dennis. And, uh, at 85 minutes, I've got to say, I'm not sure if I... If I felt as though the goal would 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 come, I thought it might be one of those days where they squeak away with the with the victory. Um, you know, I, they they must have thought that the the job was, you know, more or less there. They they taken off their their main man in um, in St Maximum, nice yeah. and uh, you know we we we'd kind of played our last hand. Uh, interestingly, Dennis came off um, for Cucho Hernandez, mm-hmm. and we also brought on Kiko Femenia for for. For Jeremy and Gakir and many um came up trumps for us, didn't he? It was a beautiful little one-two. He got to the ball first, whipped it in, beautiful cross, and then where that header came from, I don't know. I wasn't expecting Pedro to get the leap no, like he did. Not. Fantastic touch and really nicely worked beautiful. goal overall to us. You know, breaks it up. It's either Sissoko or Kayimbe, isn't it, who breaks it up in midfield and then, you know, a few of them get involved. And it's actually Gerard Pedro who really kind of gets the move going, holds it up on the left-hand side over there, you know, looks, looks, has the presence of mind to not rush it, helps it out to the right-hand side. And as you say, Kucho and, and Kiko play the one-two. And as we said earlier, you know, Kiko is one of the real, uh, you know, going forward, he's probably the one defender who's really confident going forward and comfortable going forward. He's got good delivery on him some of the time. Some of the time it's crap, but, you know, he is a good crosser of the ball generally, and it's a really good ball and a fantastic header. You know, he's still got a lot to do there, Jao Pedro, to get his head in there. And, you know, Jamal Lascelles, I don't think he's the player that, you know, that was expected to be when he was younger. But, you know, you would reasonably say, despite his height, he is strong good in the air and so on and so forth, backed up by the fact that he won more aerial duels than anyone else on the day. Um, the next, the player after him was Samir with five, Jamal Lascelles won 12, but obviously, crucially, he did not win uh, that one. And, you know, Jao Pedro, it's just sheer force of will and determination, wasn't it? They got in there and got him in ahead of Lascelles and, and, and tucked it away as well. So, no, really well created goal, really well finished off. Jao Pedro and you know he's not just um, someone who can score the, the the nice goals is he you know the goal away at Derby and so on and so forth he he scores the scrappy nasty horrible goals and he is a really really good player and that was just him demonstrating that side of his game perfectly yeah back to back goals for him now and he's just going from strength to strength isn't he it just it, it feels like when you're watching him you can just see him improving in front of your eyes, yeah. it's it's lovely to behold. No, it really is. He's he, you know, he's he's taken the step up so quickly. Really, when you consider he you know, made kind of a handful of substitute appearances in the Premier League last time, didn't he? We were kind of 
really easing him in, and it was obviously a relegation battle. It was a tough, difficult time to get him in. He's bulked up. He's, you know, the thing you'd say about him is he never, ever shirks the physical side, does he? You know, the, no. was it Bournemouth away last season where he's just flying in <laughs> handbags at the end? And I'm not condoning that side, but, you know, he... He... he got involved in, in Newcastle, wasn't yeah, he? That's he ran it. up yeah, and uh, that's it. you know, I said his piece before quickly retreating. That's it. He can handle himself and you know, so many talented players come to this country and it's such a lazy cliche, but it is true and, and don't click because they can't handle the physicality yeah. and the intensity, but there's you know, you could never level that against him, could you? He is just He's a something else and he's gonna be you know, he's as I think we said a few weeks ago, you know, you forget how young he is still. He's going to be so, so good if everything kind of goes the way it should. And, you know, I hope it does and hope it does for Watford because he could be a really special player. Mm. So it was the old boys in the end that, that came up trumps for, for Watford. It's funny calling Pedro an old boy, but he's been there two years <laughs> now, hasn't he? But yeah, how did the, the new guys get on, Tom? Uh, you know, let's go through them individually. I think we've, sure. we've probably got lots of good things to say about each of them. Let's start with the left back then, Kamara. He was the one that was more nailed on to be starting than any of them, I think, just because of the fact that, you know, we're short of left-backs and, you know, I think probably Kamara, well, I mean, not even, I think definitely Kamara is, is more experienced of the two of him and Morris. And um, mm. it was no surprise that he was given the opportunity today. Um, I think he was a shining light, Tom. Really, really yeah. good. Really, really good. Yeah. He's got the pace. Um, he's really capable defensively. Um, he looked composed. He looked calm under the under pressure. Everything that you wanted to see. No, agree wholeheartedly with all of that, Matt. I thought he was excellent. He'd slide in, you know, fitted like a glove, like he'd, he'd been playing there the whole season, really. He was very, very composed in possession. He was, you know, pretty unflustered out of possession as well. And as we said, you know, a lot came down that side, didn't it, um, relatively speaking. I looked, I pulled up some of the, the stats from his performance, he was first for interceptions, he was first for regains in the defensive third, first for touch or equal first for touches, completed 100% of the take-ons he attempted. Uh, you know, and that I think neatly encapsulates kind of both sides of his game, that defensively and going forward, he was he was very, very good. And he said in his first interview, you know, um, that speed and, and, and running forward were his kind of real assets and, you know, he was a winger when he was younger and you can you can very much see that. He's very comfortable going forward, which is, you know, something you can't say of Adam Messina. Um, but, you know, quite a lot of the time when you get that with a fullback, you know, they, you see the attacking side of their game, you think, oh, yeah, great, great fullback. But actually, they're not very good when they're running towards their own goal or trying to, um, you know, do, do the defensive side of the game. But, you know, you couldn't level that against him. He was, he was really, really good defensively and um, kind of minimised the, the threat that they had Newcastle down the left-hand side. So I think he's going to prove to be a really, um, really smart pickup. I think it's telling as well that we, you know, we went out and signed, he's 27, you know, which is a mm. great age in the sense of established and, and kind of been around the block a bit, knows what he's doing. You know, he's not a prospect. They bought someone who's, re- to be honest, it's true of him and Samir, but ready to come straight in and contribute. And also for a, you know, fairly small guys. He's not too shabby in the air. One, one, a few aerial jewels. Wasn't physically bullied or anything like that. So, yeah, I think I think we got a a really decent pick up there. Yeah, and um, you know, if the fee is to be re- believed as well, the uh, reported fee has has come out today as as being in the region of an initial fee of one point seven million, which is uh, yeah. 
it's a steal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, I think it's a maximum of four million is what it'll end up being, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up paying every. Every that's it. That, but, but on the, the basis of the Newcastle game, you're not going to object, are you? A left back has long felt like a, you know, it's a bit of nostalgia for you, but left back has long felt like a problem position, hasn't it? Right back to when Paul Robinson left midway through the 0304 season. It's always felt like a, you know, and even the guys that have come in and done well for a bit became kind of susceptible eventually. I'm thinking Holobas, I'm thinking Daniel Poodle, etc. You know, they're, We've had. It feels like we've had a lot of left backs, and none of them have really fully convinced for any length of time. Hopefully, Hassan Kamara is the one to to buck that trend. But yeah, it was a, it was a really encouraging first display from him. Given first performance from him, given he hadn't played, I don't think I'm right in saying ninety minutes since November. So you know, he was never yeah. going to be hundred percent match sharp either. But you know, he he stuck to his job really diligently, read the game well, evidently you know nicked in there and and nicked the ball off the toes of Newcastle players several times and wasn't really ever caught out of position from memory um, from his forward forays, of, of which there were, were plenty as well. So, yeah, um, I'm really, really impressed with him on the basis of 90 minutes. I think this is a lot about him as well, that he was willing to trade, um, you know, playing for Nice, who were battling to, you know, win Ligue 1, uh, for, uh, you know, a, a, a team like Watford, who are, you know, battling to stay in the Premier League. I mean, it's going from one end of the division to the other. I mean, you could say that no, it's true. has more prestige, but um, I mean, League One is a, is a decent division. I mean, you know, you wouldn't get the likes of, you know, Messi opting to play in it if, if it wasn't. Um, the only thing I think there's a lot about his character. The only thing I'm going to pick you up on there is, although they are second in League One, Nice. We all know PSG are going to win it regardless. So what's, <laughs> what's he missed out on? But no, I take I take your point completely. It's the lure of the Premier League, I think, isn't it? You know, stay, being a Premier League player is, um, in terms of prestige and finance, going to be far more lucrative than than being at any other club in Liga other than PSG. So um, yeah, that's true. yeah, you know, it's, it's a good market, I think, isn't it? We've picked up some really decent players from France over the year, over the years of the Pozzos, haven't we? I'm, in thinking, obviously, Decore was picked up in France. Obviously, Ishmael Assar was. Kamara now, you know, I'm, I may be basing it on three players only, to be fair, Matt, but um, three well, no, pretty it's, good it's, players. It's been, it's been a place that we've dipped in, yeah. um, you know, for, ever since the Pozos have come in, come in, really. Indeed. So, yeah, no, good stuff, good start, and long way it continue. Okay, let's move on then to uh, Kayembe, who was the person that uh, only... You know, up until a week ago, we didn't really know much about this guy. Uh, we knew that he'd signed from from Kaz Upen, who are a team in Belgium, another area that we uh, we like to go uh, um, for. You know, to sign some uh, interesting <laughs> players that uh, people have never heard of before. Uh, yeah. The same could be said for for this guy. Um, we knew that he was uh, a defensive midfielder that could also play as like a box to box as well. It felt to me, though, um, just on this um, outing that he, you know, it, it was great the fact that he can also play as a box-to-box midfielder, but he has almost immediately nailed on that defensive midfield role mm. because he was he was, he was was fantastic in that position. Yeah, no, agree, agree wholeheartedly. It was a really, really good start for him. More ball recoveries than anyone else. Uh, second for regains in defensive third. Second for regains in the middle third. First for passes attempted and completed. And as Lou Orms tweeted me to say, First, uh, or one of only two players at that point who had um, successfully received 
all of the passes that they've been targeted with over the weekend. And he was well ahead of the player in second, who I think was Jack Harrison. So, uh, no, sorry, uh, Lee's Melu at Norwich. So every time they, he got the ball, he, you know, he was able to secure it and, 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 and lock it up and do something with it. And, you know, we need someone like that. And I think the fact that he had so many touches and the fact that he had so many passes compared to everyone else kind of, you know, says that we're going to, you know, we're not just going to rely on him to break play up, which he did very well. We're going to, you know, look to him to play through him to be the focal point and, and, and start moves off and so on and so forth. But yeah, I think again, a bit like Kamara, we saw kind of all the facets of his game, didn't we, in terms of being able to break it up, in terms of being able to create, the, you know, create two chances, as we said earlier, he slid that lovely ball through for Joshua King. So yeah, he, he almost feels like even more of a bonus. I don't know about you, but as the kind of youngest one of the three and the one that we almost knew least about in kind of the most stocked area of the team. I, I almost sort of thought he'd be the one that would be eased in. So the fact that he's come in, made a start and, and done so well feels like a bit of a bonus. Um, but yeah, again, he's not, I, I, he's, he's kind of come in foreign league, etc. He's got, you know, he's going to have to get used to the, the kind of the demands of it and so on and so forth. But on, on this evidence, uh, he shouldn't have too many issues. No, it was it was great. I, uh, apologies to Kayambe if he's listening. But, um, <laughs> he doesn't look twenty three, does he? I was no. I was surprised when I found out he was twenty three. I, I was I was looking at him when he was playing to, uh, on on uh, on Saturday, and I was thinking, crikey, he, you know, he he looks um, more experienced than his than his years suggest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was playing in, with the same level of experience as well. A much more diplomatic way of putting it: looks more experienced. <laughs> <laughs> Um, interestingly, he, he was um, more defensive um, earlier on in his career um, when he was playing at Anderlecht. But uh, at Kaz Eupen, actually, he was more of a, an attacking sort of midfielder. Um, mm. So, I mean, you know, I did mention that earlier, that he, he's got that adaptability and it, it's good to be able to to have that, especially when, you know, we do get uh, the likes of Imran Nusa back. Well, that's it. It's going to create a nice dilemma now, isn't it? If he, you know, if he continues to do well over the next couple of weeks or however long losers in Cameroon for Afcon, you know, he was kind of the the holder of that number six spot, wasn't he? Before he went away, obviously we love Musa Sissoko. Tom Cleverley's been really good as that pressing midfielder, as we've said. Uri Kutska, for despite his faults, is is clearly an option. So you know, we've got options in that. Century field role, and it's probably you know it's important that they can all do different aspects. Peter Tebow as well. That's it, and Peter Tebow's come back, and you know I've kind of forgotten about him to be quite honest. Yeah. And then I saw in the injury update, you know he's back on grass or something, isn't he? So he's going to be back sooner than I anticipated. So yeah, you know, and I say it's important they all can do different sort of facets of that of the game. I think you know if, if one of them's pushed on, then you know somebody else needs to be able to sit in or or vice versa. So I think in uh, Kayembe we've got somebody who's you know, very comfortable in a variety of roles. So that, that can't be a bad thing. Mm. And then, of course, uh, the, the latest man to, to have been uh, announced, although we've known for, for a good week and more, that um, Samir uh, joined from Udinese, uh, another experienced player, probably with more, um, more of a recognisable name, at least to, to English uh, fans, but probably that's due to the fact that uh, he's been at Udinese so you know, Watford uh, fans probably have a little eye on Udinese as, mm-hmm. uh, as to potentially who we're going to be getting next. And uh, uh, I am extremely impressed with his debut. Um, 
he seemed very composed. Um, he's strong in the tackle. It's and it's lovely to have a left-footed defender as well because mm. it just adds so much more balance to the yeah. even 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 in a back four. Just to have him on the left-hand side of that of the two in the middle, um, I, and I felt as though it improved um, Cathcart's game as well. Yeah, I think it's it is an underrated thing, isn't it? Having a, a left-footed centre half or a left-footed central midfielder on the left side there because it just means that they can open their body up and they can go both ways doesn't it whereas if it's a righty you know it's so much slower it's so much more Mm. uh evident you know there were several opportunities several occasions where he just did you know just let the ball come across his body opened it up and, and, and could go go out to the left as well so it gives us another gives us another option makes us a little bit less predictable and you know out of possession you know as a pure defender you know, he was strong, he was aggressive, he was, you know, front foot trying to stop, get tight to people, stop them getting anywhere, you know, won his aerial battles, won his physical battles, you know, he just, again, just 27-year-old centre-half just comes in, knows what's it, does it all without any fuss, you know, the fact that he's a regular at Udinese and was captain quite often, I think, as well, as I said before, uh, on last week's show, I think, you know, speaks volumes, doesn't it, that we, that resource is needed there's a greater need for him at Watford than there is at Udinese right now, who have signed two centre-halves, I see, um, Benkovic and Pablo Marie from Arsenal. So if there's any chance of us offloading a centre-half to Udinese, I think that is gone now, incidentally. But yeah, you know, he's he's not going to get bullied. He's not going to get mucked around. He's just going to come in and, and really just sort of plug and play, isn't he? He knows exactly what's expected. He will have tougher challenges than playing against Chris. Hmm. Well, and that is a, that's... A very fair point because Chris Wood is big and strong, a bit quicker than maybe giving credit for, relatively speaking, for a big guy. But you know what to expect from him, don't you? And, and we knew what to expect from Newcastle with him and Kieran Trippier just hooking crosses in his direction. So someone like Samir is going to relish that battle all day long. It'll be interesting to see how he uh, deals with a kind of a Mo Salah or someone of that ilk who's, you know, little, nippy, very, very pacey guy who's going to be constantly trying to get, get around the back of him. But so far, so good. Mm. That'll be that'll that'll, that'll be yes. That'll be the acid test. Hopefully, it boots him up into row Z. But uh, yes, mm. on this evidence, no reason why not. No, absolutely not. And and it's, it also um, it, it speaks volumes about him how how he he came into that back four after having you know for for a lot of his time at Udinese played in the back three and it it didn't even seem like it bothered him. Which it, which you know for any professional central defender who has anything about them it shouldn't mm. but it's always a question that you'd think to yourself well you know it's something different does that mean is he going to be okay with it it was perfect yeah of course that's it it's different isn't it you know there are different roles there are different responsibilities within different systems and, and different teams and you know it's why you see players come from one go from one club to another club you think good player on paper go into a good team and then you know they stink the place out and you know he is going to have been used to a certain way of playing at Udinese stylistically because of the league and the team in terms of his individual kind of role and responsibilities on the on the left of back three you know what he can afford to do in possession you know with a three you can afford to kind of stride out a bit more there's going to be less of that here because that onus is on the full backs you can't just step out and leave one centre half uh, you know behind willy nilly and, and 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 equally, you know, he's not got the same he's not got the same level of cover. You're going to have to go, uh, you know, you're going to have to go man to man. You can't just kind of go zonal so easily, or, or certainly that's how I kind of 
understand it. So you know, there are different little nuances to it, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good start. I'm worried though, Tom. I'm worried that um, we're, we're putting too much praise on these guys early doors after just seeing them for for one fixture. And I seem to remember um, being praise, praising lyrical about about Uri Kuchka in his first performance against Aston Villa. Yeah, well, we all did, didn't we? <laughs> Uh, and he was fantastic. I'm still going to say he was fantastic in that game, but it, he never really hit those highs since. And I, I apologise um, to um, it was Bagshot Boy. Bagshot Boy, uh, I'm going to apologise here because I'm, <laughs> I don't mean to say I, I don't appreciate what Uri Kuchka does because I do. I just don't believe that he has been able to meet the highs that he did when he first played in that opening game. Um, and I'm worried that that it's the same thing is going to happen to these guys. But for some reason, I just, I feel like that we've got a very genuine um, showing from these lads today. And it's going to be pretty similar for the rest of the season. Maybe I'm hoping too much there, Tom, but it doesn't feel like, <laughs> it's, I think it's good. it feels like it's going to be okay. It's difficult, isn't it? You always, you know, whenever someone comes in, it's exciting. You want them to do well. You think, you hope they're going to be the solution to the problem that they've been brought in to solve. So you do get carried away. I remember being thinking, I remember saying, I love you, I could score after the Villa game. You know, mad bastard just running around, smashing people, breaking up the play, etc. He's going to be really good. And I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's probably been too different to what he was on the opening day of the season necessarily. But, um, you know, it's kind of coloured by the context of the season and the results and whatnot and, and, and a few errors that have crept in and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, we were if they did well, we were bound to be positive about the, 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 the three new lads. There's nothing to suggest so far that that is, um, you know, that praise isn't merited. And you've just got to you've got to hope that, given all the circumstances, you know, lack of minutes coming into a new new league, struggling team, difficult game, that they've they've given a good account of themselves and and will continue to do so. But yeah, there was there was there wasn't any kind of nagging issue, I don't think, with any of them that made you think, oh, well, that might be a bit of a concern down the line. So yeah, I'm 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 kind of more positive about them than the performance, but uh, that's okay. And at the end of the day, uh, that one-one result is a much bigger positive for Watford than it is for Newcastle. So, you know, well, that, that's the thing. I asked on Twitter in advance. You know, what what constitutes a good week for us? Assuming there are three games in terms of points, what's the minimum kind of acceptable uh, points tally? And there were a lot of. It was interesting, actually. You know, kind of anything from kind of three points to nine points is the minimum that people would accept. But I think for us, it was a must-not lose game. Um, and and for Newcastle it was a must win, and they didn't. So I, I feel far better being in our situation than theirs. Right. Let's end with the last piece of news then that uh, we haven't had a chance to put on because it kind of broke whilst we were in that uh, gap after potting. Um, and Papa Guy uh, or Gee or however you pronounce it, I still don't know. Uh, he's been handed a four month playing ban, and Marseille, the team that he plays for, have been given a two window transfer ban. And told to pay Watford uh, around about two and a half million euros in damages. Um, case is going uh, still; it's still ongoing, um, and it's gone to Kaz, I believe, um, because Marseille are contesting. Not that I don't blame them, but uh, I'm not sure if they've got much of a leg to stand on. It feels like justice, uh, Tom. Yeah, it does. I must admit, he one of those strange cases, isn't he? He'll probably end up being a quiz question on for Watford fans in the future or something. Um, 
it's a shame. I feel a little bit sorry for Pat Guy, to be honest with you. I suspect it's a situation where he's been kind of misled or, or kind of, I don't know, manipulated a little bit by his agent. You know, I'm, I'm purely, purely guesswork here. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure his intentions were good and, and so on and so forth. So I feel for him a little bit in that respect, but also it's quite nice for once to be not kind of like beat down on as a little club that we've, you know, we've kind of stood up for ourselves and we've got the, as you say, kind of two and a half million in damages and, and uh, you know, we've, we've sought kind of recompense for, for being cheated out of a player as it were in the first place. So, mm. um, you know, arguably his, his value to us could have been even greater than that, I suppose, you know, if he'd been coming and being the, the kind of missing piece of the, the midfield puzzle, uh, before now, you know, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. So, you know, absolutely right of the club to go to go after this situation with this kind of dogged determination, try and seek a resolution. And uh, yeah, hopefully that shows that we are not to be missed with in future. Yeah, a, a big punishment from FIFA. I guess they're trying to make a standpoint to stop players from doing this in the future. Yeah, I, well, that's it. I suspect this probably happens more than we realise. You know, depending on what's reported and obviously what kind of comes into our orbit as Watford fans, but. Um, you know, the, and this is why I kind of I wonder if the agent is really largely to blame here rather than Guy himself, uh, uh, Guy himself. But uh, you, you know, you do hear about. And it was only this week I was reading about a player who plays for Stuttgart called Silas, who uh, it turned out changed his name and age under kind of duress from his agent, and okay. kind of yeah, and kind of so he kind of said he was younger than he was and changed his name, and you know all this kind of thing and said it was kind of under duress from his agent. He felt kind of scared to speak out and say anything. And he was hit with a ban as well uh, that ruled him out for three months. He's back now. He's a very, very good kind of young player forward come wing back. Um, I was reading about him for another piece of work that I was doing. And I just, you know, just, I, you, you do see these things, don't you, where players are kind of misled and led astray by agents. And I just think there needs to be more generally is a wider point. And this might not be the case this. It might be all on Paco, but um, I do think there needs to be more kind of regulation of that side of things uh, to stop things like this happening, prevent things like this in future. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was probably foolish on, on his part for him to uh, sign a pre-contract if that wasn't the place that he really wanted to go and play for. And, and clearly the agent responsible um, has to take some of the blame here as well because, you know, it clearly... Um, Pap Gay wasn't happy with him because he dismissed him um, and moved on to the, another agent who then tried to get him a, a new deal. And, and, you know, I think they probably thought they were successful in that. But um, ultimately, FIFA stepped in and, and said, uh, hang on, there's uh, something wrong about this. And Watford, of course, uh, were unhappy with it themselves. So it's, it's pleasing that it's come to um, a positive resolution for Watford. At least we think it's going to. Um, the case is still open. So, um you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. What it does mean, though, Tom, is that it's another team that's added to the list of um, <laughs> the ever-growing list yeah. of, of, clubs uh, of, of clubs that hate Watford. Yeah, so it's Marseille now, uh, the Nigerian FA and the Senegal FA. Who is it as well? Was this, um... Well, Luton, of course. I mean, they, 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 they're at the head of that list, aren't they? But Sorry? Who is, who is the Spanish club that hate us for recalling? Was it the club that Cucho was oh, at? Oh, yes. 
as well, don't they? So, oh, who was that? RC, RC, RCD Mallorca, was it, or something like that? It might be Mallorca, it might be. So, yeah, I can't, honestly, I can't remember. Uh, I don't believe we let him play in. We didn't let him play in the playoffs. Is that right? Something that's like that. right. Something like that, wasn't it? Uh, I'm all for it. Just as I say, it shows we're not here to be bullied and messed around and little old Watford. I mean, we are small and skinny things, but we don't take no shit. And I've got a lot of time for that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And as if by magic, Tom has been replaced by Jordan. Jordan, welcome back. Uh it's nice to have you. Um well, uh, Tom and I have just been discussing about all of the Newcastle stuff, so uh, let's move smoothly on uh, and talk about, uh, well, I suppose it was going to be Burnley, but uh, it's now going to be Norwich. Just briefly, let's briefly talk about why it's not going to be Burnley anymore, and that's because Burnley have told us that the game has been postponed, and, um, well, I, I mean, there, there are some reports going around that they've kind of played the system a bit, is what I've been hearing, but I don't know if we can be that annoyed with them because didn't we do a similar thing to them Jordan yeah I mean the reverse fixture was I mean lack of a better term our fault wasn't it um yeah I don't know there have been reports of that I know there's some controversy especially because they had the, the same evening they fielded the under 23 side mm. um and, and they played and obviously f- fulfilled their fixture and there's an argument that we could have oh sorry they could have done the same um or included those players sorry into the first team. The difference was when we travelled there because the test was so late, um, we didn't have the under-23s travelling with us that we could have included in the squad otherwise. Um, so that would be the main difference there. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating. Um, I think you could argue it would have been a good time to play Burnley. Um, but, yeah, just it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Well, a couple of big factors was the fact that uh, Corne is away with the AFCON, mm-hmm. which may not be the case when we have that game rescheduled and also they're only recently getting over the loss of um of, of wood so uh you know they haven't been able to replace him yet so it would have been a good opportunity to play them although it does now open up the opportunity to have a bit more rest ahead of Norwich so 
you know, there's positives and negatives of this one, Jordan. Yeah, pros and cons. I think I still think on the balance of things, I'd like to have played them now. Um, but you know, that's we just have to do with what's in front of us now and kind of look at uh, look at Norwich because the Burnley one is out of the question, I'm afraid. Indeed. So moving on to Norwich, then uh, another positive is it's home. Uh, which is always good, but um, I suppose a, a negative is that uh, we're coming up against the Norwich, who are a bit rejuvenated after getting a very decent 2-0 victory uh, against Everton. Yeah, they did. Um, it was a bit of a weird game. I mean, Everton were pretty poor at the same time. I still don't think Norwich are fantastic. I think they've still got um, they've still got plenty of issues themselves. And I, I still feel the same way I did previously. I think it's still a must-win game, and it's um, one that we should... Have some hope in winning. Um, I think Norris do have some frailties and I think it's a team we should um, be looking to capitalise on regardless of a, a, a good result against Everton. Yeah. They've been struggling this season, Jordan. So um, mm. not really a, a good time to play them. But uh, I suppose, you know, the, the issues that they've had previously are still inherent within their squad. But uh, they've got a new leader in, in Dean Smith now who is... Um, you know he's changed the structure there, and and he's given the the guys a, you know a bit of a lift, of, you know that manager bounce that sometimes people you know look for. Yeah, I think somewhat. Um, I, I still think they're just fundamentally not good enough for the league. Um, you kind of look at the centre backs Ben Gibson and Grant Hanley in there. I think they're kind of exposable, um, especially you look at the types of forwards we have available to us. Um, Josh King and, and Dennis coming in from wide positions, even Chucho if he plays or Pedro. Um, they're, they're players that can cause those two central defenders issues. Obviously, we know they've got quite decent fullbacks, especially in Aaron's. Um, there's a few players in that team I look at. I, I do question um, that their ability for this level. Dossie Puki has been one that's not been able to quite make the step up on a couple of occasions now. Um, Sergeant on the right, I, I think he seems questionable every time I've seen him play. There's there's definitely guys in that in that squad you'd look at and think you can exploit. And um, I think with a stronger team. Uh, in terms of man-to-man personnel, the, kind of the difference will be what happens on the day, of course, and how how the two coaches approach it because they have different approaches. And I think um, I think it should be an interesting battle. What do you think Watford should do about this one, uh, Jordan? After having you know a, a fairly good second half against Newcastle, uh, do you think that that new hmm. sort of structure that we were we were putting in place there would would suit us against this team in Norwich? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't overly impressed with our structure against Newcastle in terms of kind of creating chances. I thought we were quite passive for large portions. It's always what we fear. Um, There's one thing being off the ball and not having much possession, but you can you can still be assertive in the way you do that. I thought against Newcastle, we kind of we kind of pushed around a little bit too much and really just quite reactive. I hope against Norwich, if we were to do something similar, it'd be a little bit more. Uh, a little bit, a little bit more intensity, a little bit more aggression, and hopefully trying to be a little bit more proactive in those situations. But it'd be it'd be inter- interesting to see because I don't think we're going to be too dominant in possession against us. It won't maybe allow us that opportunity to counter attack and, and play in the way that Ranieri is, has tried to get us to do. We might have to be a little bit more kind of in control, um, have a little bit more possession, and try and work things from a different different spaces, and that that can be a problem for us. Um, especially if you look at midfield, we're not that kind of creative midfielder. We don't have that in there really. Um, so when we do have a lot of the ball, it can be difficult for us to avoid just kind of hitting those wide areas and becoming a little bit predictable. So I think if we are to play in that manner, then we have to make sure that when we don't have the ball, um, we're forcing Norwich into making some turnovers. I spoke uh, to Tom a little bit about this, but I would love to get your opinion on the new lads and how they settled in. I'm talking about, of course, Kamara, mm-hmm. Samir and Kiembe. 
I'll start with um, I'll start with Kiembe. I think he I think he he fit in well. Um, he, he traveled with the ball nicely. He was a nice compliment to Sissoko. Um, looked for the looked for the ball, got possession, played it cleanly. Didn't lose the ball much. Um, wasn't overly impactful in possession, but he as I said kept things clean and didn't cost us there. I thought he took up some good positions defensively. Um, and considering it was his first game in the Premier League, I thought he'd be slotted in well. Uh, and did did a decent job. I don't think he was amazing, um, but I think it was a good debut. Um, I, I thought Samir. I thought was I, was I was more impressed with Samir. I thought he controlled Woodwell. Um, it kind of what we talked about coming into the game. He has got that kind of long gait and was able to get his, get his foot ahead a couple of times. Um, controlled his space well. Wasn't overly aggressive, but was there when he needed to be. Good on the ball. Just I think probably I'm just struggling to think now, but I'd say. He's probably up there for one of our better centre-back performances of the season. Um, I thought he looked assured and, and controlled, which is exactly what we wanted to see um, from a centre-back incoming. And then Kamara, I thought he grew into the game. Um, a couple of loose passes early on, but I think what I like about him is he's always looking to always looking to play the ball forwards. He can he can turn and he's not he's not afraid to try and beat the man on him, which can be a risk at times. But I like to see the positivity from him. Um, and of course, driving with the ball forwards, he was he was very good. There's a couple of times he got forward and got to the byline uh, and created some problem going the other way, which is obviously something we'd like to see. He's quite a different fullback to Massner, but I think he maybe offers something a little bit more along the lines of what we see from Kiko on the right, which is um, which is very good because we've lacked some of that balance on the left hand side for quite a while now. Um, and I thought he was, in in my opinion, after the after the game kind of finished as, as the game went on, I'd say he's probably the best out of the three on the day. But um, Samir close behind for me. Yeah, it was very exciting, wasn't he? I, I loved how he just seemed so calm on the ball and, and he made the right mm. choices as well, which I think is so important. It's one of the big differentials between an experienced player and, and someone that's not experienced. I think too, um, he, I know it gets talked about a lot with um, with, with fullbacks in particular, but recovery speed is also important. He, he can take a couple of risks. He, he'd made a couple of mistakes, but he was able to recover and he is able to get back into position. Um he can travel up the pitch, but he's also fast enough to get back in and, and, and be in be in the right position should the counter attack kind of materialise. Um, and yeah, I think also too in in regards to the the fullbacks, I thought we kind of saw the difference between him and Ngakia even when they have the ball. I think as, as you're saying there, the the comfort and the ease in which he plays it and, and looks to play forward, he can play it in midfield. I think that's one thing that Ngakia is kind of missing a little bit, and I think he kind of showed that, kind of emphasised it seeing Kamara on the left. Um, and again, I thought another aspect of his game was was quite positive was how well he actually rose the aerial challenges too. Um, for a five for eight, five for nine player, he had a good spring. Um, he, he wasn't he wasn't losing a lot of the aerial balls. He was contesting well, and um, I, I thought it was a really good all round performance. Honestly, yeah, absolutely. The, the defense, uh, you know, last Saturday against Newcastle were up predominantly against uh, you know a, a tall guy in Wood who's you know very good in the air and, and like you said there that they, they, they managed to deal with him quite well I wonder how they'll deal with someone like Adam Eder and, and Timu Puki who are a lot more about um, you know movements off the ball and, and sort of working the space and, and you know good runs uh, you know it, it's a different type of defending It is we play I mean we've been playing with a relatively deep line um, and as long as the as long as there's a kind of understanding between the centre-backs and their jobs and in terms of who they're kind of the spaces they're covering it, it it's something they should be capable of but i don't i don't worry too much with the two that we're most likely going to see um especially samir i think he's i, I think he's good at reading those runs and, and being in the right position i think that's something he does well 
Um, and it's, as you say, it's a different sort of task, but it, I don't think it's something that we we, we can't contain. Um, both both those two, Puki and Ida, they can be dangerous, of course. Or Ida scored against Everton as well. Um, but I, I do think that we we have the ability in defence to kind of contain those two. Um, and as, as long as we can kind of stop the uh, the service to them a little bit quicker and make it a little bit less clean, not quite allow them the kind of the, the sort of delivery, the sort of balls they want, then um, yeah, I'd still be quite confident we're able to to defend against those two. Was you surprised at all that um, it was uh, Shirauta that was dropped in favour of Samir rather than Cathcart? Yeah, a little. Um, but I, I mean, having said that, Sibiata did—he had made some mistakes in the previous outing. He was—he mm. had a poor game the the, the, the game previous, he, didn't he? He didn't manage to get hold of his man at all. He mm-hmm. was—he uh, gave away the penalty, in fact, didn't he? So he, did. he looked cumbersome at times in that game, and I think um, I think Ranieri is not going to kind of stand for that for very long. And Cathcart is what he is; he, he's a known quantity, but he doesn't. He definitely, he's definitely not the sort of player they expect to kind of be clumsy and like oafish in those positions. So maybe that's enough to, to make a decision. I think Sirata can be a bit stiff. That's him defending in space is something we discussed previously too. And um, even when he first joined the club, that was one of the early issues that was, was discussed with him. Um, and maybe when you're playing a little bit more aggressively, if your fullbacks could be playing a little bit higher up and you're expecting him to have to cover kind of those more lateral positions a little bit more, um, that might be the difference between um, him and Cathcart or him and Samir. Okay, right now, um, Jordan, I I owe you a bit of an apology here because uh, a couple of pods ago, uh, maybe even in the last pod, I'm not sure, um, we were talking about transfers that we we, we liked the look of, uh, and what sort of areas we were um, <laughs> we were looking at, and uh, you sort of like uh, put your hand up and said, guys, I think we should be looking for a winger, and I shot you down immediately. I said, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> in the Observer, they've said they're not interested in Kalu. It's not going to happen, Jordan. Let, you know, I mean, you can tell us your, uh, you know, your choices for the wide attacker. I'm sure I'd be interested, but it's not going to happen. Guess what happened? Well, apology accepted, Matt. Thanks for. Uh... I went ahead and signed uh, Kalu. Yeah. Um, I mean, it hasn't it hasn't officially been announced. I should I should say, but um, the sources we've got now are are you know pretty much backing that this one's happened. Pretty concrete at this point. So I'm eating a bit of humble pie here, but um. <laughs> That's football, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, look, I mean, I'm just, I'm just making judgment the same as everyone else. But thanks for your <laughs> apology; it means a lot. Well, why don't you tell tell us a little bit about him? You've had a chance to to have a, a little look at him today, Jordan. Uh, Samuel Kalu, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I've had I've had a little look over the last couple of days. Um, I still would like to watch a lot more and and kind of get a better understanding of of a player before I get too definitive of a um of a decision on him, but. Just in terms of what what I've seen, I'd say kind of notable points to mention. Obviously, a dribbler. Um, if, you've, if you've even seen a couple of his highlights, I'm sure they're mostly kind of involving his carries of the ball, the way he takes players on. Um, he's direct. He's aggressive in how he plays. He likes to commit defenders. Um, you know, I think selfish isn't the right term, but he's someone that wants to carry the ball, which is which is a positive and something similar to what we've seen in Dennis. Um, obviously, this season, someone that can get past his man and kind of isolate those fullbacks. He plays predominantly from the left, um, which I think is useful for us, especially because we haven't really had that natural left-sided play. I know Chucho plays there, but that's kind of more with a view of cutting into that right foot and getting shots on goal. But I, I think I think Kalu offers you a little bit more of that direct approach to what you get on the right-hand side from from Dennis or Saar when he's playing. Um, not quite as... I Personally, from what I've seen, I, I wouldn't say he's quite as 
quite as complete as either of those two. Um, definitely a little bit more raw. Uh, could be a little bit loose in possession. He does he does get dispossessed on, on occasion, of course, as well, just through the nature of his game. Um, Dennis has that kind of ability to somehow kind of unorthodox roll past his man and still hold on to the ball. I haven't seen that quite as much in Kalu. Um, I think there's work to be done there. And same goes for finishing too. I wouldn't say it's quite as adept when it comes to um, his product, his end product. Um, but having said that, there is a lot of talent there. There's a lot of raw talent. Still relatively young at 24 years old. And I can see the traits that the club have looked at and decided that he's worth worth a go and someone that could kind of bolster that group that's only ever a couple of injuries away from being uh, quite thin. And he's someone that's, that's obviously an area of our team that's very important to us. What I do think is a real plus for him, though, which he also does share with Dennis as well, is his energy, his, his engine. Um, quite tireless in in and off, sorry, in possession and out of possession. Um, countless sprints. He, he's willing to work off the ball. And I think for a coach like Ranieri, if you are demanding a lot of those players, um, they have to cover a ton of ground. And if you can have that same intensity um, and same commitment he has on the ball when, when he's attacking his defender, then if you can get the same thing off the ball, then you're kind of looking at quite a useful asset to the team, um, especially as we kind of get through this rougher point in the season. Yeah, I was watching those um, those highlights that you often find on, on various uh, social media sources and um, I was... I was liking what I was seeing, but there was a lot of times when I thought, well, you know, I'm not quite sure why he's included some of these clips here because a lot of them demonstrate potentially times when he should have maybe passed the ball off, but instead carried it a bit too far. And then rather than scored at the end of it, has been tackled or lost the ball and and the position has been regained by the other team. So, I mean, yes, it demonstrates Mm. he's got some great dribbling skill, but I don't know. I mean, sometimes... Sometimes we need a player to be able to pass as well. Yeah, and that's what I'm, that's what I mean. You can you can come of come across a little selfish at times, but you have to also look at it in context too, um, in, in terms of how this player is going to fit your team. If you look at how how Watford are playing and how we commit numbers forward, if, if for example you had that sort of player in the team that's looking for more of a patient, slow build up style, um, you don't want your your winger every time he gets the ball to be kind of breaking that up and taking his man on losing possession. Um, when you try to build that kind of slower approach, but for a team like us. Um, with so much of our, our game being centred around counter-attack and all direct wing play, um, you're going to ask your winger to be doing that a little bit more often. He's not going to have the same passing options um, and, and perhaps not going to be kind of asked to contribute as much in the build-up from a kind of shorter passing perspective. So it might be that he fits and suits the role at Watford more than he does at Bordeaux or you know wherever else he could be. Um, it, it could just be a better fit, but I do know what you're saying. It does it does come up quite early on on the tape that he's maybe someone that's going to commit to those those dribbles and those runs a little bit quicker than you might expect or want, depending on the situation. Is match fitness going to be a, a potential issue here with with Kalu because um, he's not been playing a lot recently for, for Bordeaux? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think match fitness is. I don't know. I'm not convinced that's so much of a thing. I think fitness is maybe fitness and sharpness, maybe kind of the two that I I think get a little bit too crossed over in terms of in terms of fitness. The guy should be ready to play as long as he's been keeping himself in in, in good shape and you know going through the training sessions appropriately and doing his work outside of the training sessions that you'd expect of a professional at that age. Then he should be ready to go, especially midway through the season, um, regardless if he's, if he's been playing or not. The sharpness in terms of just kind of feel of the game that might be a little bit off because um, as you say he's not got an absolute ton of minutes 422 uh, in all competitions this season so it, it's not a great deal um, but it all depends on the player I think it's too hard to judge from this kind of 
this this time this perspective it's hard to assess whether he's going to be kind of hitting the ground running or not but um for the type of player he is the way he plays uh, and and the way we'd expect to use him I'd probably expect to be seeing him from the bench anyway um I, I wouldn't have thought that he'd been thrown in there the same way that the other three were against Newcastle um so I'm not too 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 concerned about that I think that should be a smoother transition than, than maybe we'd fear there was a bit of speculation around why he wasn't playing much and some of that was aimed towards Bordeaux and the fact that they're in a lot of financial difficulties at the moment. Do you think there's much uh, water in that one, Jordan? As to why it wasn't being played? Yeah, because they were, I mean, some people were suggesting that they were trying to force out some of their more higher paid players rather than, you know, playing them more. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I I'm not, I'm not, I have to admit, I'm not overly familiar, familiar with their financial situation in terms of... Um, kind of how close they are to having to move on from players. But I'm not sure if he was one of the higher owners or not. I know the, the quoted fee around um I've seen recently at first is around that four million and four point five million euros, etc. But in terms of the transfer fee that we've paid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But then one I saw was saying five hundred thousand. I'm not sure I'm not I just saw that recently before we started recording. I'm not entirely sure of the details of that, how much is um mm. if there's any sort of instalment base or whatever. But it seems even at four point five million, it's a rare to be cheap um cheap deal and i mean that also goes for kind of for bordeaux as well they're not making an absolute ton of money off him um but if that is the case then yeah i mean 4.5 is, is still significant to bordeaux if they are in these the financial situation that, that's been reported so i mean it, it could be a factor um but yeah i'm, I'm not entirely sure in the, in the actual reasoning behind it but it does seem on the surface that we have got a decent deal it does indeed a lot of people have also been um I don't know if this is the right word or not, but uh, saying how pleased they are that this deal has been done, knowing that he's a left-sided player, because it means that they might see less of Ken Semmer, who has come in for a bit of criticism recently, Jordan. Yeah, um, I mean, a little bit harsh. I, I think Ken Semmer's just, he's not kind of what we are, we're not what we need right now. He's not someone that's going to kind of be offering the the types of, play that we really need this time of the season with Ranieri and the way he plays those wingers is not quite Ken's style. We've obviously seen Ken play a little bit of a deeper position and he's more of a left midfielder, someone that can get up and down and you play the ball from deep, right? His carrying is not as dynamic as it was in the championship. Um, simply the defenders he's playing against are just better athletes and, and better defenders. He's not quite able to kind of power his way past them like he was last season. Uh, so it leaves him a little bit redundant. Um, I'm not overly critical of Ken. I think he's a good player. It's just not the right fit right now, I'd say. So you're expecting that he would come in and, uh, you know, maybe a bit like the other guys, be, you know, waiting on the sidelines for uh, a week or two before they're sort of introduced? Or do you think that we might see him on the bench as early as um, as, as Norwich? I'd imagine we'll see him on the bench for Norwich, probably. Um, it, you okay. know, maybe him and Chucho as the kind of attacking options on the bench and... Yeah, probably that's what I'd expect. Interesting. Good. Um, well, it's nice to have you aboard, Kalu. Um, and we, we hope that that's confirmed sooner rather than later, so that we don't have Egger on our face, but um pretty certain that one's that one's a done deal. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, every kind of classic Watford news kind of that's trusted, any sort of uh, source that's trusted seems to be confirming that's pretty much all but done. The medical's being done today, I believe, so that should be perhaps announced tomorrow. Okay, good stuff. Uh, that is us uh, over and out, done for this session. Um, thanks very much to Tom earlier on in the pod and for Jordan 
uh, coming to join me uh, for the second part of the show. Um, well, we've had a lovely time, haven't we, Jordan? Let's give a big shout out as well to uh, to our Patreon uh, members who have signed up. Uh, thank you to them. And to our two newest ones, of course, as well, Hanson Ho and Mark Sheehan. Thank you very much to you guys uh, for supporting us. It's appreciated. If you would like to join them, uh, all you have to do is go to uh, Watford Buzz podcast uh, on Patreon and you can support them just Thanks like those lot, guys. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, more reviews. Um nothing new in so get some new reviews in if you're enjoying the show and you haven't uh sent us a review yet then uh, go along to itunes and uh give us a, a rating out of five uh, and you can um leave your comments there as well and on spotify as well you can give us a rating too uh if you would like to do so and um well let's have a look here how many ratings have we got on spotify gosh so many shows have we done we have 4.9 stars from 15 uh, reviews. So that's almost everyone giving us five stars. So that's fantastic. Pretty good. It's pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's us. Um, Jordan, have you got anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, it was only, what, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's only a couple of days now till, till the game we're discussing. And uh, yeah, it should be exciting. Looking forward to it. Are you going to this one, Matt? I uh, I'm going to be at a stag do, unfortunately. Um, oh no! So I've uh, I've sent the ticket across via the Watford website to my mum to uh, mom, go, yeah. to go and join my dad. She loves going. She loves she loves Thank it. You. She really loves it. She likes going, and um, she gets more into it than he does. Actually, um, oh yeah, it's it's yeah. She she's she's just she's you know shouting like and the thing is though she doesn't know all of the players names properly so she's just right, right, she just right. goes oh come on what are you doing what are you doing you should have scored there and, and that's like time. that's the other team jack that's the other... <laughs> she's like oh whoops. well this is this is contributing to the atmosphere that's always a good thing yeah you have a chance to watch the game though at the, the stag do yeah i've downloaded um an app um i've basically bought myself a vpn okay yeah. Well, thanks again for watching. Yeah. Uh, not watching, unless you can see me in my little blue. There isn't a video, is it? No, there's no video. No video here. Thanks again for listening to us. Um, and uh, we'll see you um, probably hoping to get a pod out pretty soon for Monday. Well, I hope you enjoy your stand. I hope your mum enjoys the game. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed we get the three points. We need it, really. It's, um, it's a vital game, isn't it, Jordan? Oh yeah, I mean, this is the week we talked about. Obviously, the Burnley one got shifted around, but this is the the second of the important ones, at least. So we have to come out of it with something. And if you, if you finish this week with um, with five points, I think you'd be feeling pretty good. Yeah, I think I think you'd be pretty happy with that, wouldn't you? Fingers crossed, three points. I hope you enjoy your stag too, and I'll uh, yeah, catch you guys later. All right, see you later. <laughs> <laughs>